0: Good morning. Life change. Are you living up to your name? Wow. I was about to change my sermon emphasis. Thank you, sir, for bailing me out there. I was a little concerned. Um, Okay, so as um, I initiated the conference over the weekend yesterday morning, I'll I'll feel that responsible to do the same this morning for you that were here, this is a reminder, Um, I'm discovering that you like doing things together and you define yourself better together, I'm not sure you're convinced about that either, I believe you, you believe that. So, with that being the case, and uh, I'm all about family, and it's a pleasure to have my son traveling with me, which is not always the case, but when you get a chance to thoroughly really enjoy the
1: privilege, so I'd like to have Garrett with us.
0: Yeah, amen. He deserves a, a round of applause. But, uh, so, Garrett and I just, uh, we, we wanna be a part of your family. We wanna do things together with you, if you'll give us permission, and so I'm just gonna treat you as if we are family today. And I'm going to share the, the word of the Lord from that perspective, and I want to take all of the, uh, the the crust off. Okay, so I'm just uh, I'm just a brother in the Lord. I've come to be a part of this uh, family time of worship. Uh, my heart is to serve this church and your pastors, and I believe that I have something that will be of benefit to you as we look into the bread of life. I want to serve a a fresh loaf this morning. Okay? Uh, I'm hoping for some increased revelation. And uh, just thank you so much. Deeply, you're deeply honored at the opportunity and invitation to be here, to be with your
1: pastoral leadership. We are learning to uh, appreciate so very much. uh, Pastor developing friend and bishop uh, with uh, precious family, pastors Jason and Joe. I got to meet uh, the little baseball player yesterday. And he elevated in his
0: aura of heroism in my life because he plays for the Orioles. I assume that's the Greenville Orioles? Yeah. Well, I told him that uh, he was telling me about his accomplishments yesterday on the field, and in his eyes he was the main man, and I, I, I didn't have any reason but to agree. Yeah. Uh, but I, when I was his age exactly, played for the Appomattox Orioles in Appomattox, Virginia. Yeah, so I mean, I've got me a friend for a lifetime now. We bonded immediately. I was jealous that I could not trade roles with him. <laughs> You be the bishop, I want to go do what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, thank you for the opportunity. Teacup, where'd you go, sir? Oh, you're back there. I thought maybe you climbed up on the roof or something. Man. No? One and done. Congratulations, sir. Uh, it's always a joy to honor, celebrate accomplishments of that nature, so... Uh, The Lord's hand is on you. You're aware of that, right? Your pastors, this church has formed and affirmed. God, this one, come along behind and support it. Uh, God's got a phenomenal plan for your life. um, The exhortation your pastor gave you brought tears to my eyes. I hope it impacted you the same. You'll get in the book. Let the book get in you. Everything will be all right. God be the glory. In your Bibles, my assignment is to bring the word of the Lord, and I commit to being faithful to that. The pastor has informed me that there is no time clock, no shot clock here. Um, I will not abuse that, I promise, Um, but I was encouraged that so I, I want us to gather around the word of God this morning as a family and I want us to take a journey and I want us to make um, some discoveries that I, that I literally believe have uh, life change potential is that alright? I think it can change you individually, collectively, this church. And uh, I'm always one that's been on the body of Christ moving forward, and gaining and advancing in, in our own maturation as believers and followers, disciples, but also for the church, advancing the kingdom, that we, we just absolutely refuse to rest on our laurels, our previous accomplishments, where we're at, that we never become content or satisfied with uh, the work of the gospel in our homes, our families, our communities, for you, the city of Greenville and this region. Uh, So saying all that to, to amplify But I believe the Lord's word and what he has instructed me to share with you. Has that capacity to move you forward. Is that good? All oh, right. Exodus chapter 33. I also discovered in hanging out with your pastors the last couple of days uh, up close and then from a distance that we have a similar passion. And that's going to unfold as I move forward uh, in my presentation message to you today. All right, we're going to dive into a very familiar passage of Scripture, Exodus chapter 33. You want to begin reading with verse 12, Exodus 33, 12. Everybody there? We good? All right, let's hear the word of the Lord. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, leave these people.'" But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Now let's, let's pause right there for just a moment. I think that demands just a... Brief sila, meditate. Okay? Here is the man Moses. If you know much about this story and know uh, anything about his life, he's well into what we would call ministry and leadership and carrying out the plan and will of God for his life. But at this particular moment, in this particular line of communication with God, he asked God to help him discover God. More than as he presently or previously knew him. Hello. It reminds us of the New Testament character, the Apostle Paul, when in a very similar scenario of many years of ministry, he seemingly interrupts in a conversation and says, God, really, the, the main thing I want to do is know you. I just want to know more about you, I want to discover you in ways I've never known you before. I want to find out things about you that I do not know now. There's so much more to learn, so much more revelation that I can experience. God, help me to know you beyond my present place. I would be so happy if that was the posture of all of us here today—that we want to know Him beyond what we presently do. Christ is kind of like a um, a multifaceted diamond I've got the attention of all the ladies now yeah and that diamond is being examined and considered and it seems as though the expert that's working with the diamond that every turn the brilliance of the diamond increases and it would say at this particular viewing point Wow that's got to be the apex the crescendo of the brilliance the glory the good the beauty but then it turns again and there's more to experience about this particular diamond that's the way the Lord Jesus Christ is you think you have found the ultimate understanding and you've experienced about all that there is about him but yet if you would just go a little deeper if you would just pursue a little harder if you just run a little faster if you would just discover a little more you will come to a realization that's so much about him that you had yet oh taste and see that the Lord is good so would you increase your appetite For the things of the Lord to know him more and more I love that about the man Moses teach me your ways that I may know you and continue to find favor with you remember that this nation is your people we're going to talk about that statement in just a few moments the Lord replied my presence will go with you and I will give you rest then Moses said to him If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Now, again I'm going to take a meditation moment because I think it's imperative that we grasp the moment here that we are giving permission to participate in in Scripture it's almost as if we have been allowed to hear a conversation between God and his servant Moses that was so private that no one else's ears should be given opportunity to hear and thinking from that perspective i'm reminded and i as i span the audience i realize that some of you have enough digits to define your age that you remember the party line telephone system I got a grunt Mm. now some of you young folk have no comprehension about what I'm about to tell you in fact you won't even believe it you're gonna go home and Google it just to prove that the preacher won't lie but there used to be what was called party lines and being raised in rural Virginia I live in a little community called Vera don't look for it on the map you won't find it it's uh, it's in Appomattox County and if you know your American history, you know that Appomattox is where the Civil War ended. All right, that's as far as I'll go with that. But in Vera, we had a party line system and all across the county. And on our party line, we had six homes. Six homes use the same line. That means that you could, if you so chose, listen in on the conversations of those six residents and we have one lady that was a part of our party line Miss Frances. I remember her from being a young boy and one of the uh, astute characteristics of Miss Francis was that she loved the telephone yeah uh, she was the community and you can fill in the blank you get the picture and so there would be times when mom would, my mom would need to use the phone. And, and uh, she would say, Gary, check and see if Frances is on the phone. It, it was just a common inquiry because that was the typical occupation of Miss Frances. And if she was, it was my instructions. I assume mom didn't want to deal with it. So me being six, seven, eight years old, I probably was qualified. And it would be less t- contention involved. Miss Frances, this is Gary. If it's okay, mom would like to use the phone. Can we have it for a few minutes? Because only one person can actually make a call. That, that's a party line. But I must confess, and it's good for the soul to say, there are many times when in the privacy of my home, when no one else was watching, I would pick up the phone. <laughs> and you'd put your hand over the voice part and you would listen in on all of the other conversations and it was so entertaining and so juicy at times and i became so well informed and i got all kinds of unnecessary education and and yeah the party line it's like that's what happens to us here In Exodus 33, we have been allowed to pick up the receiver and hear a conversation between God and Moses that probably should have been kept private because of the depth, the content, the seriousness, the nature of their back-and-forth communication. And Moses is begging God, Go with us on the continuation of this journey. We'll explain that in a few moments. God, if you don't go, what's going to make the difference? How will we be identified as anyone that's different from all the other peoples of the earth that service and serve all of their little gods and false gods and Idols, if you don't go, why will there be a distinguishing mark? And how could anyone know that we are serving a different God than they are? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing, With verse 17, that you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Hallelujah. You can take that as a personal declaration over your life today. This is a promise that not only finds itself in the book of Exodus in the life of the children of Israel but it has manifold manifestations in the New Testament and I'm here to tell you this morning with great joy God knows you by name and He has promised to go with you to the fact He said I'll never leave you nor forsake you I am all in God says on your behalf verse 18 then Moses said near me where you may stand on a rock when my glory passes by. I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Out of the context and content of that passage of Scripture, and if you follow the flow of the conversation, most conversations have a consistency to their content. The subject matter, the end effort, what we need to discuss and conclude. In this conversation, we have a flow, but then there is seemingly an unexpected, Expected interruption and the conversation takes a different turn and there is a twist in the whole effort of communication from Moses to God he's talking about the journey he's talking about God's presence he's talking about God being the distinguishing mark and the, and the difference maker and God begins to respond positively to Moses which if you know the backdrop to this wasn't the case God was upset with the children of Israel God was upset with their present journey in fact God had said I'm abandoning you Moses and if you'll get out of the way I'll kill the whole bunch of them lots of activity about God that a lot of folk don't know in regards to the history of the children of Israel contained in, in 32 and, and 33 that leads up to Exodus 34. But God was, God was irate because they had fallen into idolatry and they became rebels and ridiculous in their conduct and they had resisted and refused all that God had been doing and planned to do and now God was saying I'm over it I'm done my patience is wore out I'm fed up I'm getting ready to eliminate the whole group Moses and I'll start over with just you and we'll try this whole thing over again I'm not making that up and now Moses becomes the intercessor and he begins to plead and and basically begged God for mercy he asked God to have mercy and and the Bible says God said I will relent of the judgment that I had planned and so now in this conversation that we've read as our text it's going along those lines and it seemed as though God's of a different attitude Follow my train of thought here he's gone from being somewhat negative and and demanding and critical and obstinate and And uh, angry and now he's oh Moses is recognizing he's he's saying yes he's responding in a positive way to my request he he changed his mind he's gonna go with us and and his presence will guide and protect and make the difference and, and things are really good and so it appears that Moses in that recognition of of God being maybe somewhat more favorable takes advantage of the opportunity he says that's been something I want to ask God for a long time I want to know more about him I want to discover things that I've yet to know I want God to teach me some things that I have yet to learn and so in that he asked this most famous of bible questions if you search And discover what are some of the more famous inquiries in the Bible this one will show up when Moses asked God show me your glory all right let's pause right there I want us to go to the New Testament gentlemen if you could help us you're doing such a good job back there I want to go to the New Testament And I want to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, chapter 3. I want to take an Old Testament reality, bring it into a New Testament revelation, then I'm going to break down the subject matter, and we're going to discover the potential of change here today. Everybody with me? We're all good? All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, let's begin with verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, everybody know what that's about? Engraved with letters on stone? talk to me hello conversation party line if it came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory fading though it was will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious if the ministry that condemns men is glorious, that was the law. We're talking about Moses to see the law. He's up on the mountain of Sinai. God's finger is, is carving the Ten Commandments. And, and the glory of God now is um, uh, de- imparted to Moses. And he literally shines. He's illuminated. <laughs> Pretty amazing. They had to veil him. So... If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison uh, comparison with the surpassing glory. Glory, a lot of glory here, isn't it? You're following the glory line here. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Oh, you've got to stay with me here. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away, but their minds were made dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when any, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Church, listen now. The Lord is the Spirit, and with the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Wow! What a passage. What a coupling of biblical understanding, Old Testament, New Testament Past glory, present glory, and the purpose of God with His people. So, let's take a little journey. Can we do that today? Moses asked God this most amazing question. Show me your glory. Fair? Everybody good? Yeah. Just taking the temperature. You know, we've gotten very familiar with that. Taking temperature. This whole matter of the glory of God is really an intrigue, isn't it? And it has, over the last several decades, ratcheted up in interest and even in curiosity within the framework of the church world. When when the charismatic movement kind of uh, settled in over uh, the body of Christ and and kind of interposed and merged with the the Pentecostals, uh, the glory of God became a very prominent matter. I can remember as a lad, that's that's a sophisticated term for when I was a boy. One of you recognized my level of excellence and in intelligence here as I use terms of that nature. You didn't hear much about this. But as I grew in age and in ministry, it became rather a consistent subject of consideration. And it became almost and unfortunately entertaining as to how the glory of God was dealt scripturally, how it was defined, and how we measured it. But we are all very familiar with this biblical subject. We've talked about it already here today. Almost unconsciously, the subject of the glory of God has been saying... It's been prayed. It's been communicated. But because it's so consistent in our church activity, in our Christian ease, we oftentimes don't even realize how prominent and dominant it is in our settings of worship, in our conversations, and certainly the place that it plays from a biblical perspective. So if I was to be brave enough, which I'm not, to pass the mic around the audience and say, give me your definition of the glory of God it would probably be as about as unique and distinct and different as you as individuals because we all would define it we all perceive it uh, we all consider it uh, from a variety of angles and applications the glory of god has been considered Gold dust falling. I think I heard the choir of heaven of oh, angels have assembled in the sanctuary. Oh, I got that feeling. I got goosebumps and hair standing up and warm and right. And and, and I'm not, well maybe I am. I'll let you determine. Not making light of or being sarcastic. I'm just trying to open up a could be Pandora's box. But I'm committed to it simply because there's revelation in scripture that all of us need to comprehend and walk in in regards to the glory of God. So much diversity, so much uniqueness, so much strange doctrine and communication about this extremely valuable God matter so here is a suggestion for all of us and this is the route we will go as we move toward Revelation today is we're going to give God permission that might be a strange concept for the church world anymore isn't it but we're going to give God permission to define a subject of this nature we'll let him tell us what he says it is is that fair for everybody we can leave out of here saying well that wasn't his opinion her opinion my thoughts my ideas that's what God said and if God says it then I'd say it's pretty well settled and we we'll just have to go there and say uh I did not agree before and I've Challenge prior to, but if God said it, then I'll, I'll settle there, and, and we'll walk out of here in absolute harmony of what we know to be the glory of God. So, with that being declared, if there is any one Bible character that I could measure from a scriptural knowledge that seemingly had no reason to ask this question, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Daniel, David all the prophets, great men of God. It seems as though Moses is the one Bible character that had the less reason to ask the question than all of the others, maybe even combined. Think about it. Wasn't it Moses? I get excited. Wasn't it Moses that on the backside of the desert keeping his father-in-law's flock Experienced on some announced day one of the most incredible events in all of biblical content when there he witnessed a bush that was burning and not being consumed. Am I right? Sunday school days. That was Moses, right? He's out there in the desert minding his own business and working for his pop-in-law. What a journey. And a bush starts to burn. If it's not sufficient that a bush is burning and not being consumed, the bush starts to talk. We got a talking bush burning and not being burnt up. Now, if that had happened to any of us in our life at any time, we would have immediately. Are you, are you viewing me? No. We would have taken our phone. We would have gone into photography mode and we're about to blow social media right up. Look at here, folk, I'm there. You see this, I'm not making it up. There is a bush burning behind me. This bush is on fire. I can feel the heat of it. And listen, let me turn on audio. This bush is talking. And we would have captured that social media blast. I have seen the glory of God. (laughs) The same man, and I must go quickly. He's in the company of, as an act of obedience to God, surrender. He's in there the company, kind of like Peacock climbing the ladder. Moses had to fight his own fears and go to Egypt and deal with the greatest authority on the planet, Pharaoh. And he stands there as a man of God, carrying out the orders of Jehovah. And he's now giving Pharaoh orders, which probably wasn't the wisest thing to do from a natural perspective. But God was involved. God helped. God responded. You know the story. I don't have to go into the depths of it. But was it not Moses who witnessed what we define as the plagues on the people of Egypt? Did not Moses say to Pharaoh, this, that, and the other. And God responded with demonstrating his power and authority and dominance over any earthly rule or reign. Was it not it Moses who saw the Nile River turn into blood, saw the plagues of gnats and bulls and flies, did he not see all of these things with his own eyes and experience them? Would you not have Thought that Moses would have considered while he was engaged in all of that type of miraculous activity that he was experiencing and witnessing the glory of God now they've got deliverance and they're standing at the the, the the boundaries, the beach, the borders of this magnificent body of water, but it's become their prison, their capture, and they have nowhere to go and no way out, and, and they see the dust trail of Pharaoh and his armies and they're about to be recaptured and taken back into slavery, and they're pretty sure things will get a whole lot worse than they were before. This is a mess. They can't go this way, that way, the other way. And God responds again in one of those Absolutely unbelievable, incredible, miraculous events in biblical history. It is of biblical proportion. Moses raises the rod. God moves and the waters divide. And the folk of the children of Israel walk across on dry ground. That's the part seemingly most folk don't ever really understand. It was dry. No mud. I'm telling you, again, we're bringing out, we're bringing out the iPhones, we're bringing out smartphones, man, we are taking video, I'm telling you, we're going to walk by and show them this however many feet wall of water and everything and what was at one time a few minutes ago, the bed of a body of water is now kicking up dust. I mean, we are seeing the glory of God at its crescendo. This has got to be the apex of who God is and what God can do. I am witnessing His glory. We go on further. Was it not Moses who saw water come out of a rock in the desert? Wasn't it Moses who witnessed the response of God in supplying for His people by raining manna out of heaven? Come on. That was Moses, right? And then we come to Mount Sinai, the posture of this particular passage that we have read, and we park parked there a while, and Moses has gone up, and, and there's things that happened prior to that that are pretty incredible as well that most of us would have been overwhelmed by when God is telling Moses to come visit with him, and he says, Moses, bring the people to the mountain. Bring the people to the mountain. And as they draw near to the mountain, this mountain becomes alive. Now we have a, not only a bush that's burning and not consumed and speaking, now we have a mountain taking on similar characteristics. And the Bible says as they approached, God came down and settled on the mountain with His presence uh, with fire. God came down in the embodiment of Fire. And the mountain becomes engulfed in this fiery dark cloud and lightning bolts are now striking from every direction violent storm is now has descended on the mountain and the mountain begins to shake and quake and we're having a a, a earthquake right there at Mount Sinai and all of this activity the children of Israel are experiencing and a trumpet starts to blast, you thought a talking bush was big. Now we got a mountain blowing a trumpet. You can't make this stuff up. Hollywood just has to shy in comparison. God begins to speak. A voice. This mountain's talking. Can can you just put yourself there? And if you have any recognition about this idea of the glory of God, would you not have said to family and friends and next door neighbors and congregants sitting with you across the aisle or the next seat in the church, would you not have said, hey, listen, we are experiencing the glory of God?
1: Yeah, we would
0: have that's the case and I'm gonna ask some theologian in the house to stand up with skill sets way beyond the majority of the rest of us and explain to me if that was the path of Moses journey and he had experienced and tasted and witnessed and saw and felt and was in the presence of all those things that I just defined and then the backside of every bit of that the backside of every bit of that He's in conversation, private conversation that we got to tap into. And a question that he asked God that seemingly perplexes the theologians and the masterminds of biblical content and all of heaven and earth is, God, will you show me your glory? So if you want to take that question and apply previous action and make an assessment, uh, we come to the conclusion that from Moses' perspective uh, in the prior part of his life and all that he had engaged up to this point, he had never witnessed the glory of God. That's a big shocking, isn't it, to all of us? So I became, could I use the word disturbed as as a responsible party to the church and one that is obligated to help us stay in a proper biblical path and patterns and understanding. I, I became extremely concerned about how flippantly the glory of God was being dealt with. And everybody having somewhat of their own posturing and positioning about the glory of God. Not ill toward anybody, not angst at anything, but just simply believing that it could not be so convoluted. It could not be so individualistically determined. it has got to be something far greater than what we've tapped into yet. And so I began this journey, this prayerful biblical journey of trying to see from the mind of God, the heart of God, the voice of God, what is His glory? I took the posture of Moses and I said, God, I've seen a lot of things in my life. I've experienced a lot of ministry, a lot of high points, and I've seen you do incredible, miraculous things, but yet I want to know what is your glory. So, This is what we must recognize when you discuss the word, the content, the subject of glory. So are you listening to me? Thank you all Does you need to heal on that. This whole matter of glory, when you, if you will, boil it down, it means what is the maximum capacity? What is the fullest and strongest ability? What is the crescendo that makes this different than anything else? When you talk about the glory of a matter, it's what is its primary distinction or ability Beyond all of the rest. So when you talk about the glory of God, you must recognize that there is a matter about God that, and I'm going to use the word again, that crescendos, that, that climbs, forgive me, teacup, that flies high. It gets to the very top of the subject matter. You can get no higher, go no further than what the glory represents we recently had a demonstration of that in the sports world if you consider horse racing a sport and most would if i only had put a few dollars down no i don't bet on horses but boy it would have been nice to have thrown a few dollars down on with strike-rich, rich-strike, strike-rich, I think it was. Something close to it. Y'all, y'all know the story, right? kentucky Derby, recently. Sir, you're wise in your observations. A horse had bailed due to whatever complications. He got in in the last 20 seconds. His owner put him in the race in the last 20 seconds of being able to register. He was the last horse in. He was the worst odds. He had he had lost seven races coming into the Kentucky Derby. He lost seven races. That's not a real good positive record, is it? Well, I'm going to bet on him. He's a real loser. I mean, the odds stacked 80 to 1, how that works. I'm not real intelligent and all that. It sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Honestly, I do not. But I just know he was. A no name and no chance. But he got in the stall with the rest of the other horses. And so let's talk about a racehorse. I mean, there's some beautiful animals, aren't they? By the way, this horse was purchased for thirty thousand dollars. I mean, that's chump change in racehorse financing. Some of these horses go for millions of dollars. Somebody, oh, kidding me? So the racehorse, its, its glory, its magnificence, its distinction is not in its beautiful coat even though it's well tended to and shiny and it's attractive. And, and, and it's, not, uh, it, it, its glory is not in its mane which is flowing and long and, and well manicured and taken care of and and, and its glory is not in its stall or in its place of residence that is the finest of what you can provide in that subject matter. The glory of a racehorse is when you put it in that stall Unlike a workhorse or riding horse or other horses that have other assignments or provide other levels of pleasure, you put a racehorse in the stall and they trip the lever and the gate opens. The glory of a racehorse is when it starts to gallop and it uses those long, well trained legs and those muscles have been shaped and formed for this very assignment and it begins to run like the wind and it amazes you you how fast it can go uh, and how brilliant it looks uh, and how majestic it carries itself uh, and it goes toward the finish line with no other option or determination and comes from the back, if you will, to the front and victory is gained. That's the glory of a racehorse. At no other time will you ever experience its glory unless it's on the track uh, carrying out the purpose for which it was created. That's the glory of the horse. So, God says to Moses, I'll do it. I'll, I'll respond, yes, I'll, sh- I'll show you my glory. Is, is anybody here interested in knowing what the glory of the Lord is? You, you sang about it, you prayed it, you preached it, you taught it, you celebrated it. Would you really like to know
1: what the glory of the Lord is? Would you?
0: Let's go to Exodus 34. We're working toward the conclusion. You remember what God said to Moses when he asked the question, "A cause all my goodness. Now listen, pause, interruption, everybody being attentive. You do not have permission to disagree with God. Is everybody okay with that? Does that offend anybody? We have a tendency to do that, you know. God, that's not exactly the way I wanted that to go. Uh, That's not what I had in mind. That's not my opinion, God. Let's come back to the table here and discuss this. Isaiah 40 talks about who does God seek for counsel or wisdom understanding who does God look to to help him make decisions Uh, not any of us (laughs) oh my that's not an insult to anyone so here we have God carrying out the promise of what he said to Moses the Lord said to Moses, 34-1, chisel out two stone tablets. You remember what happened to the others. Moses, in his anger, threw them down. He witnessed the mess the national Israel had engaged in idolatry and revelry and sin and, and, and things are now broken and so he's got to chisel out his own stones this time. God says, I did it one time, you're doing it this time. I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Isn't that neat, that conversation they're having? wow so here here's the instructions this is in the bible it's on the screen be ready in the morning and then come up on mount sinai everybody say come up Uh uh-huh come up present yourselves to me there on top of the mountain no one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain not even the flocks and the herds may graze in front of the mountain. It's, it's a dangerous place, man. It's, it's filled with the presence of God. That's a mountain that was on fire and blown a trumpet and talking and lightning. I mean, this thing is real. Moses is coming up this mountain. Take that teacup. And um, so Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up. Everybody say, went up. Uh Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands then the Lord came down everybody say came down I got good news for you whenever you're willing to go up I guarantee you God will come down if you draw nigh to him he's going to draw nigh to you if you're willing to ascend the hill of the Lord he'll meet you there God came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name stick with me right here you got to hear every syllable of this and proclaimed his name the Lord and he passed watch this this is happening this is this is God answering the request of Moses show me your glory and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So that's the activity that's in response to the inquiry. God says, I'll show you my glory, and this is how I'm going to do it. You come up on the mountain, you bring those two tablets you just had to carve out. Shame, shame. And you find a certain place. And when you get there, I'm going to present myself to you. And I'm going to reveal to you my glory. Is everybody here that's here? so you can be here but be elsewhere I'm aware of that some of you were in yesterday and some of you are already in tomorrow I'm asking you to do all of us a favor bring you to be with you and let's all yoke up here for just a few more minutes that we have remaining and let's make an amazing discovery so bring your mind arrest your mind the Apostle Paul said connect it again with your body body soul and spirit here in this room so we can make a game changer for the sake of life change. I love your smile. It's very encouraging. Yeah. Please keep going. Also, some of the facial expressions, I need to look at you more often than I'm looking at them. Moses climbs the mountain, gets set in a position of obedience. And if you go back to Exodus 6, you remember he met, Mo- uh, he met God at the bush. God declared, I am that I am. That was a revelation. That was a new revelation of God. Exposing who he was beyond what he had revealed in the past. And he told He told Moses, take this down, Pastor. You need to research this now. I love your... I love this man's grasping scripture. Y'all are so blessed. Just a brief time that I've been around him and his wife, man. He's obviously a dedicated student of the Word, and it kind of just pours out of him, doesn't it? You notice know, yeah, that? I'm I'm, 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 I'm attracted, and I'm, and I'm envious. Pastor, you need to research this. So in you. Exodus. Six. God tells Moses something that most people never ever capture. And He says to Moses, "I'm going to reveal to you things about Me that your forefathers never knew—Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will tell them things, tell you things about Me that they did not get the privilege to know. I'm going to reveal yourself to you, myself as the Lord." Do I got that? Moses is on the
1: mountain.
0: God knew with his knowledge, foreknowledge, that this was going to happen. And so now that prophetic utterance to Moses is being revealed and fulfilled. That's incredible. So Moses is on the mountain. And God presents himself to Moses. Go there in your mind. Go there in your imagination. Let me try to help you capture what this might look like. See, some of you have read enough. Stories and you've watched enough movies about kingdoms past and, and great authorities and, and kings and, and how they would enter the royal chamber. There's a, there's a presentation of the king. You, you know how that looks? you you got that little funny dude that comes out with that long trumpet that's just one straight and he's... He, do, 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 do. So you, you, you think Malcolm's playing trumpets, trumpet, me playing a trumpet, it's really miraculous. You, you remember that dude, he comes out. and he's got the old flag with the emblem of the nation and he's, he's getting the attention of everybody. Hey, everybody, something big's about to happen. Hey, 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 this thing is really demanding your attention. And then behind him comes the one who makes the announcement. And there is this herald. And he comes in in all his pomp and circumstance and he's pontificating thank you very much and he is announcing to the world to the kingdom to the audience that about to enter the kingdom's domain and rule setting the throne that's the word I'm trying to come up with is the king so we got the and then we got the herald Hearken to all the people about to enter the royal chamber is King Louis XIII, ruler of the known world. He has conquered all of this and done all of that and he's subdued all of these and he's all of the other and, and he's got the t-shirt and the bag of chips and, and he's just a bad dude and you need to recognize that he's all of what we say he is because he's going to come in here and sit on this throne and throw his weight around and he's in charge. Well, not quite like that. But you get the picture, right? That's what happens. That's real reality. From that, take this setting on Mount Sinai. And the Bible says that the Lord presented himself to Moses. And he announces, The Lord, the Lord is passing before you. This is a new revelation. Moses' request and inquiry, and desire is being satisfied. I want to see, I want to know your glory. You said you'd show me things that I have yet to understand. You said there are things that I will know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never knew, and now God says, yep, here it comes. The Lord, the Lord, which is the word Jehovah translated into English, the most revered name for God in all of Scripture. So holy that the Hebrew race won't even pronounce it. They don't even spell it in its completeness because it's so revered. Jehovah, the Lord, God's redemptive name. Let me try to help you understand that in an increasing way. It's God's relational name. It's God's name that He gives to us to help us comprehend how He wants to be in relationship with you and you and you. And you gravitated that with greater revelation by Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Kanu and Jehovah Kadesh and Jehovah Shalom and Jehovah Rohi and Jehovah Shama. This is this God that loves us and cares for us and wants to be a part of our life. This is God your provider and God your healer and God your righteousness and God your sanctifier and God your peace uh, and God your shepherd uh, and God your abiding presence uh, and God your victory. uh, The Lord the Lord Jehovah A new revelation Moses had knew the God that could cause bushes to burn. Moses had experienced the God that could override and overrule Pharaohs. And Moses knew the God that could split waters and rain man out of heaven and calls mountains to shake and all the things of incredible nature that astounds the mind and overwhelms our capacity to, to comprehend and now he's being brought to an understanding that there's a dimension about this God that he never fully understood. Not a God only of sovereignty, a God of authority, a God of power, a God of miracles, but He's a God that loves me. He's a God that cares for me. He's a God that's concerned about me. He's a God who will get involved in my personal life. He's a God that wants to take care of every aspect of who I am and what's going on in my world. He is Jehovah. He is Lord. He is the Redeemer. And God presents Himself to Moses and in doing that, allows in His train Moses to experience compassion, forgiveness, mercy, love, grace, things that Moses did not at that point of his relationship with God fully comprehend. Do you understand, my brothers and sisters, when God was given the proposition to show Moses His glory, He determined that the greatest level of performance that the God of heaven and earth could engage was not miracles of natural nature. It was not profounding science and man's intelligence. Those are but child's play with God. It's like a kid playing in a sandbox. If you think God is showing His glory by causing a bush to burn, who on earth do you think created fire? Or the bush? Don't you dare belittle the glory of God by defining it through the manifestation of His miracle working power. That is not His glory. That's His day job. That's simple. That's just who God is and what God does. He works miracles, signs and wonders to demonstrate that He's God. Not to expose His glory. You say, well, sir, you strain." strange. I know that. Thank you for the confirmation. I'm just telling you what the book says so we all can get on the same playing field of recognizing the power, the beauty, the significance, and the role of the glory of God. Compassion, forgiveness, mercy, grace, love. These are the attributes, components, characteristics, demonstrations of the glory of God. Don't belittle God's glory by the things that to Him have nowhere near that level of significance. God is not maximized by doing phenomena. He's not maximized by blowing our minds with His capacity. But exposing His glory is what brings him to the pinnacle. The very essence, the maximum ability of who he is and what he's about. Now I'm closing by telling you this. You take what we experienced there in Exodus 33 and 34, you pattern it and overlay it with the rest of scriptural content and to really understand the glory of God, you must journey to another place. And it's a lonely hill. Outside the city walls, of a place called Jerusalem. And the name of this hill has been given uniqueness because of its geographical configuration. It used to be called Golgotha, the place of a skull. And it was on that lonely hill outside the city walls that God, in his greatest moment, far exceeding what happened on Mount Sinai, Mount Calvary takes a whole another dimension. Of revelation of the glory of God. If any of you want to see the glory of God beyond what Moses experienced, I want you to go to Calvary and I want you to see the man on the middle cross and I want you to see him suspended between heaven and earth. I want you to see God at his best god performing at the greatest capacity that the god of heaven and earth can ever perform god will never outdo what he did own calvary eternity past present and eternity future will always shine brightest in light of calvary when the son of god lamb of god gave his life for folk like you and me that's the glory of god That's God saying to the world, not on a mountain to a single man. Uh, That's God shouting to the whole world, to the whole world, Uh, I will give you compassion. I will give you my love. Uh, I will give you forgiveness. Uh, I'll give you grace. Uh, I'll demonstrate who I am because I love you. This is my glory. The Bible says, the Bible says, greatest demonstration of God's love came in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ one step further ma'am I'm going to ask a very challenging question you see I have dress shoes on I don't have my shoe horn it's hard for me to take them off I might have a hole in my sock. I would be embarrassed. Could I borrow it? See, you have a flipper, if you can call that thing. Could I borrow your
1: shoe? Thank you. The most time.
0: The only way this message makes any difference except for you to say, well, that was interesting. is I've got to put some shoe leather on it. I've got to bring it down to you and I. I've got to make it personal. I've got to give you something you can walk on, walk in, carry out. So, about the glory of God, subject in me are very true. I read from you Paul's writings to the church at home. I read from you the biblical dynamic of what was and what he is and what will increase. We read it, I didn't make it up. It's holy anointed breath of God information for you and I to navigate toward and to focus on in regards to glory and our responsibility to it. So the glory of Moses has faded. And it was difficult because there was a glory that was connected with death, the law and judgment. But Jesus came and exposed, as I have just defined to you, a whole new understanding of God's maximizing Himself, demonstrating glory by dying on the cross. Wow, are you kidding me? God of heaven dying the creator giving his life to the created, the perfect the righteous, the sinless taking on sin for the sinner the rebellious folk this is it this is this is, this is it that's God at his greatest capacity Paul says that the glory that was revealed, here we go, the glory that was revealed through Christ has now been transferred to your And that this surpassing glory has now been brought to us for a personal possession. And that you and us, you and me, you know, are now the demonstration of the glory of God. Are you kidding me? I don't know who you are, where you've been, where God brought you from. Probably a pretty deep deep pit at one time when you found Jesus.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you sir understand what the Bible is telling you? That the glory that God exposed on Mount Sinai to so was school field at its highest capacity in Calvary now becomes your responsibility.
1: Seriously. You see, God has always wanted the world to experience this glory. So,
0: anybody here today want to see the glory of God? I got a picture of it. I crafted a picture of it. My handy technology. Anybody want to see the with that? Listen, I'm soaking wet. <laughs> my socks are even wet. Apart from other things that are wet. We're family, right? Okay. I'm trying to figure this bunch out, man.
1: This must be the other side of the family.
0: That side. It's that side, isn't it? That's what it is. I got revelation. It's that side of the family. Thanks, bro.
1: Anybody
0: want to see the glory? I'm going to show you the glory of God. I'm going to show you how God wants to demonstrate what was carried out on Calvary in today's world. How God wants the world to continue to experience His glory. How He wants Greenville to see His love and His compassion and His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. How God wants to let the world know that He's real and that He's genuine and that He cares and He's concerned and that He's able and that He's relational and that He'll take care of us and He'll provide for us and He wants to get up in our kitchen and be about our business in such a fine and, and wonderful way. Sir, so I'm going to start with you. You've been most cooperative, and you sat by this lady that has this beautiful smile. I'm going to show you the glory of God. Say, we ain't women no have See
1: that? You see the glory of God?
0: If you've experienced salvation, you know Jesus. You've on His life, and His grace, and His forgiveness, and
1: you are a most beautiful demonstration of the glory of God. Does everybody understand what I'm telling you? You are His. You are His glory. You're His glory. You're the glory of God. That's right. That's right. You are the glory of God. Pastor,
0: You must lead the way in this beautiful garden, in this absolutely adorable wife, and even my son and me. We are the glory of God. <clears throat> Don't ever again question about the glory of God. It is God's demonstration all his love, grace, forgiveness, compassion, all of those wonderful characteristics, relational, that he wants to share with everybody, all of his children. And then my final request. Don't ever as a church, and I know that sounds so articulated, I don't mean it that way. Don't ever as a church pray again or sing again. God Send the glory down. That's a bad doctrine. You're insulting God. What is He supposed to say? Well, Jesus wasn't good enough. Say I've already done it. I sent you my very best. I sent the glory down. I gave you me. That's all I got. Here's what I'm going to ask you to sing and pray and preach and believe. Ask the glory to rise. To rise up. You, you, family of this church, the body of Christ in this city, we've got to rise up and demonstrate His glory. Our world, your family, your loved ones, your co-laborers, your neighbors, your friends, your peer groups, your social media influence, whoever, wherever, however, God is asking you to be the demonstration of his glory, reflecting who Jesus is to a world that needs what you have. Hello, back there. We do all right? We get this? Everything good? Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for the time. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for receiving the truth. And thank you for being bearers of His glory. Does anybody here today need Jesus? You've heard about Him. We preach the gospel. Jesus loves you. Jesus saves Jesus died for you. Today is your day of salvation. Right now, this is the accepted time of the Lord
1: for people to find Him, experience His glory.
0: Anybody here? Anybody here follow of Christ? In love with the Lord? No greater decision. No greater decision. Give your heart to Jesus.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Ready good? Before I pass to my out, I just want, if you feel comfortable, just lift your hands in the presence of an Almighty God. And I'm going to ask you to ask a similar question that Moses asked, but much different in its application. God, Ta- I've discovered your glory. I know what it is, and I've experienced it. Now I'm asking you as I leave the house of the Lord today and I go back into my world, that I'll go into this world of mine with a renewed commitment to be the demonstration of your glory. Would you just cry that out to God? I can pray it for you, but would you open your mouth and ask Holy Spirit to help you moving forward from the day? I can let my neighbors and my friends and my family. Through me, they'll experience God's compassion. Through me, they'll experience His love. Through me, they'll experience His forgiveness. Through me, they'll experience all that God's about The, grace, the loving care of this almighty God. Lord, help me to live my life intentionally every day by showing people who you really are that they might know your Bless it over this house. May this revelation run deep and strong. May it become a motivation and a determination. And may it become a resolve. And Lord, may we be a people who says, yes, we want to be that reflection. I bless pastors. I bless their homes. I speak life and health. God. I pray multiplication and increase. Lord, over this local church and over the conference in the state of Alabama, I pray for a greater harvest. God, give us increase. May we advance the kingdom. May we be difference makers as we distribute your glory here and there. We praise your name. I bless my brothers and sisters. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be theirs in abundance. May they experience new times and sweet ways of fellowship in the love of the Father. And may they enjoy the fullness and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. For your glory I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Pastor.
1: I don't know what to say. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Bishop. You greatly helped me today. I hope everyone else has been blessed and helped his way as well. As we've just heard this morning, the the best, most powerful sermon that we've ever heard. And we have this treasure in jars of clay pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. We go forward. We will carry the glory of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Let it settle down inside of us. your blessing upon. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people say.